Captain Black. Nadja Enzi is my special guest. Welcome back to the C.L. Bryan Show, Captain. How are you? What's up, my American brother? <laughs> it's good to hear, hear from you. You know I'm back in the state of Louisiana, up here in North Louisiana. I'll be here at least, uh, well, for a couple of months anyway. But Nadra, you and I talk about this all the time. We've talked about this mm-hmm. for years now. And I want you to, I want to get your take on what it means to defund, to eliminate policing in communities that you and I are familiar with. Thank you very much. Here's what it means. Roll the clock back to the bad old days where a black victim of homicide, burglary, aggravated assault, what have you, wouldn't have that crime investigated because he was on the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Now fast forward to our so-called enlightened 21st century and now you're saying that police officers who want to investigate crime wherever it happens, now you want to tell them, well, we need to cut your budget. Maybe we don't have, maybe we have too many of you. So what it means to communities like ours, working class black communities, is our voices and our victims will not get the response that they deserve. Now, I don't know how this is supposed to be progress, but that's the fine print of a lot of these defunding proposals. Or you could take it a step further, like the Minneapolis City Council, and vote to disband the police department. Now, legally, I don't think they can do so, overnight at least, but it makes a nice talking point. But again, for black folks who complain about not having enough police available or slow police time, if your agency gets defunded, you're going to have a lot more to complain about. Absolutely, absolutely, they will. Nadrenzi is my uh, special guest, Captain Black. He is a part. Nadra, tell, give, you know what? I have always been the one to introduce you and so forth. I just want, before we go in, in any further, I want you to tell folks who Nadra Enzi is. Captain Black, talk to us. You got it. I am a participant with Project 21, which is a national conservative leadership network of uh, the National Center for Public Policy Research. Individually, I'm a grassroots security consultant, which means I work with concerned citizens, neighborhood associations, businesses, and others within their comfort zone to address safety and quality of life issues. Because I always believe the people closest to the problem are the ones best positioned to address the problem. And been doing this for a little over 20 years, first starting in Savannah, Georgia, my hometown, and now I'm here in Gotham City, which is my nickname for <laughs> New Orleans. New Orleans, Gotham City, I like that. You know, Nadra, but, let, let, me, let me ask you ahead. this. Let me ask you this, Nadra. You were mm-hmm. talking about uh, how black people would suffer if the police were taken away, the presence, uh, the ready presence of the police were taken out of the black community. Let me ask you this about privatization, uh, because that, that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The police force mm-hmm. will become a privatized uh, entity, and people who can afford to live in neighborhoods where the neighborhood community can uh, hire police, it will become a new class. Are, are we seeing a new classism rising here? I mean, we're seeing a new classism, but I will say this. And your friends at Freedom Waters might like this. There are libertarian 
and constitutional conservative alternatives, if this somehow became the rule of law in a number of states, then it would be only fair that low-income communities would have to receive tax credits in order to either hire private security or you have to contract directly with police departments to contract directly with them if your publicly funded option is being reduced. So let's turn the, the narrative on our friends on the left who want to defund police departments. And if they're successful, tell them that, well, no, you're going to have to, out of your coffers, you're going to have to pay for either security professionals or privately detailed police professionals since you defunded our departments. And since, ironically, our defunded departments now are being overwhelmingly employed, as you said, by higher-income Americans. So, yeah, there's definitely a concern about a new classism coming. But remember, now we're dealing with elite liberals. They will be protected. Every congressperson knows that their defunding scheme will not include the Capitol Police who protect them. Sure. Absolutely right. And you know, Nadra, uh, Captain Black, when I talk uh, to police officers, and I have in the last month uh, made it a point to get uh, an idea of what's on the minds of uh, mm-hmm. the men and women in blue. And it, many of them, and I, of course, never will mention any names, but I'm talking about over a few states that I've been in, many of them actually uh, would not mind becoming private police forces in various communities because they know that they could probably demand and have more money. This is something that may actually create a situation in this country that would actually be uh, detrimental just by the nature of where it's going. But guess what your your next show will be within, we'll give it a year, if not a few months, if some of this comes true. Liberals crying lack of police in their communities. This, that's what's, you know, this is the catch 22. The elite have the idea, but the grassroots are the ones who pay for it, literally and financially. Does a person like Al Sharpton or the mayor of New York or Jesse Jackson or any elitist, black or white, do they have to worry about the police being taken away? Do they have to worry about it? Absolutely not. Because, hey, in the case of de Blasio, as long as he's mayor, he's going to have NYPD as his executive protection. And with the reverends Sharpton and Jackson, they get VIP reception from law enforcement wherever they go, and I'm sure they have their own private security. Yeah, they do. So, you can't yeah, get down so Jesse's elite, street. Not much is going to change. Yeah. So for the grassroots, everything will change. Yeah, yeah. And, folks, that's the reality of it. Now, uh, Nadra, we have about, in this segment, just stay with me through the break, uh, about six sure. minutes left, uh, eight minutes left in this break, in, in this uh, segment here. I want to talk about this coronavirus thing and the effects that it has had before this thing hit. And uh, we were talking about black businesses booming. We were talking about black mm-hmm. people working, Latinos working, women having mm-hmm. opportunities they hadn't had in 60 years. We were talking about all of this happening. Suddenly, suddenly, you have the brakes put on that type of booming prosperity across the board and somehow Donald Trump is being blamed by the progressives and the uh, socialist liberals for 
the, the party ending. I, I, I have not yet been able to find out or, or decipher to myself how you could come to that conclusion. Do you see any sense in that? Well, it doesn't make sense, but here's a rationale. Through a purely partisan perspective, this is their opportunity to use people's legitimate desperation as a hammer against the incumbent president. Look at what you did in the economy. Now, here's a catch-22. With the information put before him, at least at the time, if you didn't encourage a shutdown, and if governors and mayors and their equivalents didn't do so, and if this thing was even, if this thing were as deadly as it were projected to be, then if you had a couple million people dead, how much complaining do you think you would get? Big time. Uh, it, look, listen, they would have tarred they would have actually stormed the White House. <laughs> they would have stormed the White House. It had tarred and feathered it. Political. And, yeah. and just imagine, and if the George Floyd tragedy had happened in the wake of that loss, yeah, we, we, would, we wouldn't even be able to use any other word but a civil war would have erupted in America. So, yeah, this is definitely people playing politics, and as usual, with other people's lives and livelihoods. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, you mentioned uh, something that I think many of us forget uh, here in our nation, and, and that is we are the only nation that's ever had existed to gone to war with itself over a creed that all men are created equal. And the government that uh, was wanting to, of course, give its creed states' rights as well. We actually won that battle, folks. America won that one because we were true to what's written on paper about us. But right now, Nandra, you have uh, young people who have no clue what the 60s or 70s were like, but yet they want to take us back there. What is that about? Look, it's about disruption. It's about the destruction of the middle class, the Judeo-Christian ethic, and everything else that made the country what it is. You know, you've got people who are legitimately agreed to call in the middle. You've got professional domestic terrorists on one end. And ironically, particularly with the George Floyd situation, you've had unity between liberals and conservatives like I've never seen in the past decade or so on this issue. So, of course, you know that agitators have to try to disrupt that unity. So, you send in your, your paid thugs. They vandalize black communities without invitation. They vandalize business districts within or adjacent to black communities without permission. And then they go on about their married business and leave us to pick up the pieces. I want to continue with Nadra Enzi. After the break, uh, uh, when I, I want to talk to you, uh, Nadra, about the word police and uh, the, the word Nazis. You and I uh, have been called all types of uh, names and so forth because of our political positions and, of course, our love for the Lord as well. And I never thought that black people would actually attack black folks for talking about Jesus, but it's happening, folks. 
<laughs> it's happening. Yeah, and it and uh, I never, never, never thought I, I'd see that, but it's happening in this country. And I want to talk about how is it that, that if we use a word like you just used a little bit ago, and I use it all the time, too, to describe uh, who they are. Thug. A thug. A, a thug is a thug is a thug. A hooligan is a hooligan. It's the same thing, I guess. I don't know. But why is it that uh, we're blacks? And listen, we still have about uh, three minutes. Yeah, I want to jump into this right okay. quick, and then we'll pick it up again. Why Why is it we're being policed with our words these days? Nadra Well, if you police the words, then you police the mind uttering the word. And the point is that they want the general American population of any color. Because, again, you hijacked. George Floyd protests from the black community in too many cities. You don't want people questioning you. You don't want people speaking out against you because you're establishing yourself as the new ruling class. To me, this is the latest iteration of white supremacy. Because how are the kids in the suburbs with his mommy's Amex card, his back pocket, who may not have taken baths in five months? What qualifies them to come to a black community and tell these people how they need to conduct their protests or their police community relations? By what right does he place himself as their unrequested leader? <laughs> That's racist. It, it really is. And when you look at Joe Biden uh, as well, Joe was talking to us. Uh, when he said, uh, uh, Nadra, that if, if you had to think about whether to vote for him or Trump, then you ain't black. I mean, Joe was yeah. talking to us like he owned us, right? He, he was Absolutely. talking to us. Absolutely. <laughs> and in the next segment, can we please talk about how the CBC, the Confused Black Caucus, gave Timothy Claw rats to Nancy Pelosi and some of these other caucuses. We will talk about that, my friend. We will talk about that. And I also want to uh, you to chime in on uh, how is it that every time there is a dead black body of national significance, Al Sharpton, like a vulture, comes swooping <laughs> in and flying around, hovering over the body every time. And, and, and all of these bodies in Chicago, he's not we're, he's not saying, I don't know. We, we'll talk about that, Nadra, uh, Absolutely. When, when we return. Stay with me. Don't go anywhere. Folks, we're on with Captain Black, Nadra Enzi, Projects 21, Nadra Enzi. And Nadra, be sure to tell the folks over there at Project 21 that you are a friend of mine. And uh, all of them are really great, great people. And uh, Nadra is doing a great work, is doing... Um, really fantastic job uh, and have been doing that and keeping his ear to the ground and uh, finger on the pulse of uh, his local and national community. He'll be back with me and we, there's much for us to talk about here in um, when we return with more of the C.L. Bryant Show, coast to coast and border to border. If you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, uh, the iconic Ripley's, believe it or not, and you will see the Red State Talk billboard about a block from where we dropped the big ball on New Year's Eve and uh, old CL Space, 24 hours a day, every hour, pops up there on the big screen. I certainly am glad that you've come along with us. 
to build the bridge today. We will return in just a couple of minutes with Captain Black, Nadri Enzi. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities that- you can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always in the heaven hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day day in the USA and glad that you could come along with me as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here over the largest talk platform in the nation that's red state talk most listened to as well and I am glad to be on with you from 1205 until 2 p.m. in the east daily right here over Red State, I want to thank uh, Loving Liberty and all two other uh, terrestrial, sta- three other terrestrial stations uh, that uh, have us uh, there in replay. And so, want to um, welcome back now and continue our conversation with Captain Black, Nadra NZ, and Nadra's with Project Twenty One has a great mind and he has a great opinion. Nadra, let's talk about. Uh, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus. You have another name for them. Uh, tell us why you call them that, and tell us why they've earned the name you've called them. Well, you know, I really, really, really try to be Christian in my, my public pronouncement, so maybe confused is such a bad thing, but the confused Black Caucus. You're giving Clinton Claus to Nancy Pelosi. Now, I'm old enough to remember when, as a black person, Wearing African attire, kufis, dashiki, any type of candy cloth wear would make you ostracized. Local police might think you're some kind of militant. <laughs> I remember. I remember. So, you know, again, yeah, so against that level of uh, cultural buy-in and experience, why would anybody except an ideological stooge, hate to say it, give Nancy Pelosi and these others, Clinton Claus, for their kneeling session, it, it was just late pandering. And they're getting pushback from black nationalists and black liberals with some self-respect because it was ridiculous and it was offensive. So and you're there to make policy, not statements. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Could not have you. been uh, said okay. any any better. That, that's absolutely right. Let me, let me say that. You remember Hillary Clinton in the 
pulpit, black pulpits in Alabama and Georgia. You know, no way. That is the most racist attitude that black people actually applauded back in her day when she was campaigning. They thought that was somehow cool for her to do that. But yet they want to call you and I step and fetch it. And, 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 but that was when, if, if a black person applauds a white politician in a so-called, so-called black pulpit, who is mocking and mimicking a black preacher, that is racist. At least by today's standards, it is. Have they forgotten? This is why black friends for elite liberals and grassroots leftists have shot the whole their side of the aisle accountable also. Well, Norfolk, Governor of Virginia, parading around in blackface. He's got a D behind his name. It's okay. But you want to destroy statutes. I mean, just again, we understand that it is a calculated scheme underneath all the parent silliness to literally tear down everything that made this country and every segment of it. Man, you make an incredible point. Let me tell you why. If Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, in a wheelchair, if Uh any pictures surfaced of him in blackface, wheelchair and all would be thrown out of the the, the Capitol in Austin, Texas. It would be thrown out. But like you said, the governor, Northrop, Democrat, can, in fact, get away. The double standard is there. Is there a fundamental change truly occurring in this country, Captain Black? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, we're, we're not even talking about, I used to tell people in the 90s, or even before then, Republicans and Democrats may have disagreed on things, but they also commonly agreed on favor family, patriotism, national defense. They just had different ways of approaching it. We don't have that commonality. Now you've got two warring tribes, oftentimes talking about in Congress and in political discourse, period, with very little in common. That's unhealthy for a nation. And the left side is being pushed further and further by socialist anarchists who do not want reform. They want ruin. You know, there is no, there is no policy proposal that any of these guys ever promote. Because you know, this is always tear this down, tear that down, abolish this, do away with that. It is a program of destruction, period. Wow. There is no, there is no plan for getting together that they have in mind. They want to be able to do what they want, when they want to, and they expect the rest of us to bow down or kneel down and accept it. You know, uh, Nadra, the other day, uh, last week, Drew Brees came under fire for being proud of his patriot, pa- patriot father and grandfathers. And, you know, I have the same story. My father, World War II vet, grandfather, World War One, and great-grandfather, Spanish-American War. I'm proud of their service. I, mm-hmm. I, if I was Drew, and, and I've said this publicly, I said it on radio and, and so forth and so on. I would have never apologized for that. 
What does that indicate when you begin to see that type of kowtowing that's going on well, from, it, from people talking? It's political and economic intimidation. I could be wrong, but I think Drew is probably a secret conservative. And maybe when he retires from football, he'll speak more freely about what his beliefs are religious and political. But the man had, just like Colin Kaepernick, has a right to his opinion. Drew Brees has a right to his. He plays with all these black people. He's done all this stuff in the local community. But he doesn't have a right to his opinion. I can't go along with that. You know, I thought, you know, I grew up in a regime where if the powers that be disagree with what you said, you can face severe social and economic sanctions. I don't want that. That's not enough. He has a right to his opinion and the people who kneel because of police brutality. Okay, that's their right now. And it looks like the NFL has agreed. Yeah. Because of not persuasion, but because they've been intimidated into this position. And, to be fair, maybe some of them feel that this is part of racial reconciliation. I always extend hope that, however small, there may be a number of people in the elite who actually sincere, and this isn't part of some calculated strategy, but for a lot of them, it's about tearing down the country and making people equal. In the uh, next hour, we're going to have Burgess Owens, Super Bowl champ, uh, on with me, right. Burgess. And and let me let me let me ask you this: I, I really, uh, you you mentioned something that I want to get uh, your 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 take on the definition of this. What is meant by racial reconciliation, or what is meant when we're talking about? Um, uh, making uh, policing and police officers more sensitive to race. What, what is the what what is meant by that? What do you think is truly meant by that? Because talk to us. Well, all right. Here's what I truly think is meant by it. They want policemen to become blue chauffeurs. They want policemen to become punching bags. Meaning, no matter what the suspect does to you, if you use any type of force in return. You're the equivalent of an SS stormtrooper. That's what this whole thing is about. Even if you look back in the 60s and the 70s, the original Black Panthers wanted police, so they just, you know, disagreed with the powers that be on the type of policing. These guys on the scene now want to abolish police or if they allow them to stay. You got to be a chauffeur. You got to be a punching bag. It doesn't matter what they do to you. Just like we had an incident here. On the bridge, one of our bridges, the Pleasant City Connection, with a bunch of protesters. NOPD was there on the New Orleans side to try to stop these idiots. It could be uncharitable, but they were trying to march into Jefferson Parish. Now, the Gretna Police Department and the Jefferson Parish Police Department, excuse me, Sheriff's Office, two very proactive agencies that have not been watered down were awaiting them. NOPD was trying to do these people a favor, and they had to had to do the tear gassing because they rushed the officers. This is the mindset that we have now, and NOPD is receiving a lot of local criticism. Even though they saved these guys, because now they stepped in the Jefferson Pass for that, they were going to be dealt with according to the law, but definitely with not as much deference as NOPD has. This is what we're facing. 
You want police officers who don't police, who don't arrest, who undercharge or they charge, and who are, you know, public representations of the way they want all of us to be privately, which is to bow down to whatever extreme position comes out of it. Again, these dudes are not trying to elect themselves in the office. They're not trying to offer some, you know, 10-point policy program. No. They want destruction, and they want obedience. Wow. The last time I looked, that's not what any of us signed up for as Americans. No. It's not. Nadrenzi, great to have you on. Tell the folks right quick, got about a minute and a half of how to get in touch with you. And uh, thanks so much for being on with me. You've got uh, one minute. Talk to us. You've got to visit me on Twitter at Safety Creator. That's S-A-F-E-T-Y-C-R-E-A-T-O-R, Safety Creator, on Twitter. And let us enjoy each other's company. God bless and keep you, man. Thank you so much for being on with me. Fight the good fight. I know that you will, Nadra, because you are. Thank you again, brother, for being on with me. Thank you.